Welcome to the Discover Church Podcast. We are a Christian faith community based out of Denver, Colorado. Join us this week as we bring our uncertainties to an unchanging God. If you have any questions about the sermon, please feel free to send them in. You can email them to us at hello at discoverdenver.church. We didn't tell her to say that. She actually said that on her own. But we had to tell her to repeat it because she said it really fast and it's the cutest thing in the world. That's my daughter. If you don't know her, her name's Piper. And then we have another one named Brennan, who you'll hear a story about tonight. This series we're doing, You'll Thank Me Later, is really, I think, a powerful series. Last week we talked about, are you thankful? So the idea is being thankful past the holidays. Are you thankful for your salvation? Remember that? Remember, we were thinking about, am I still grateful? Am I grateful that the power of God is able to do anything in my life? That's what we talked about last week. This week, we're talking about something that I think um, is going to move all of us to action. I don't know where you are with your relationship with God. I don't know if you would say you have one, if you would say you don't have one. Maybe you would say it's just stagnant or I don't care. Maybe you'd say it's vibrant and passionate. Wherever you're at, I think that tonight we're, we're all going to move. I think we're all going to move towards a Jesus-looking God. The idea of getting gifts during the holidays and the idea of being with family and the idea, some of the, that might be scary to you, not the gifts part, but the family part. We'll talk about that in a second. All of us have the crazy uncle. We know that. But th- this whole idea of if you got gifts from God, if every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, if you got gifts from God, it actually doesn't change you without gratitude. Gifts from God can do a lot of things, but change you into a person like Jesus. Gifts alone won't do that. Gifts alone can make you a very selfish person. They can make you boastful. Gifts alone can make you a person who compares a lot. Gifts from God partnered with gratitude can change everything. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, is actually graduating in gratitude. Graduating from gratitude, from level to level to level, graduating in gratitude. So let's pray. Father, would you help us all to move into a relationship with you where we're grateful, but not just grateful in attitude, grateful in action. Help us to understand what your word is telling us and help us at the end of this message to be bold enough to go to one another and to say, I am moving towards a Jesus looking God tonight in this way. And that this Thanksgiving and this Christmas will never be like any other one. And God, for the people who are brokenhearted around the holiday times, gratitude is going to be really hard. So mend their hearts and be the father that you are to all of us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Graduating in gratitude. This is the way I want you to think of tonight. Uh, I've told you before, one of the things I like to do is watch commercial or trailers for movies, particularly superhero movies, whenever I'm laying in bed, just to go on YouTube and watch these trailers. And if I didn't tell you that, there it is, okay? I remember telling you that a few months ago. But there's also something else I like to do. I like to watch commencement speeches and TED Talks, okay? Commencement speeches and TED Talks, they're short. Now, I know as a pastor saying this, preachers tend to be long, and you go, amen. I get it. I totally understand. But like, but those motivational speeches through commencement speakers are really engaging. I never know what they're going to say. I don't know what they're, who's going to say it. So I want to talk to you about a few people who've given commencement speakers. This is Will Farrell. okay? 
I don't know what you think about Will Ferrell, but in his opening part of his speech, he actually said that. He said, I don't know what you think about me, and if you're a mom and dad in the audience, you may just remember me streaking in movies. This is what he said. He goes, so why would I be saying anything? And then for about 10 minutes, Will Ferrell was Will Ferrell, okay? Talking about if he met his younger self in like this weird conversation of Will Ferrell to Will Ferrell. But then he says something that's really profound. He says, trust your gut. Keep throwing darts at the dartboard. Don't listen to the critics and you'll figure it out. That's Will Ferrell, okay? That's his advice. And then it gets better. If you look up commencement speeches, which I, I would encourage you, it's fun to do. There's P. Diddy, okay? I think that's still his name, P. Diddy. Some of you like me even more, and you're so surprised that I, I know who P. Diddy is. Yes, I do. And uh, his commencement speech is super engaging. And when you listen to the story of someone like P. Diddy, I wish I knew his real name. Sean Holmes? Combs? Sean. Sean Combs? Is that right? Okay. To Reverend Sean here. Okay. To P. Diddy, this is what he said uh, that you may find weird. I find it weird too. As you face obstacles that I'm telling you about in your life, if you ever think about stopping, I just want you to think about me seeking in your ear, okay? I thought I told you that we won't stop. I thought I told you that we won't stop. Now, I don't know what song that is, but if you picture P. Diddy singing in your ear, maybe it'll help you. I don't know. Maybe you won't stop. That's a commencement speech. Here's the next one that I really like. Oprah. Oprah is just a profound person, and she has a lot of interesting things to say. Here's one of the things that she said during her commencement speech. If you're constantly pushing yourself higher and higher, the law of averages predicts that you will at some point fall. And when you do, I want you to remember this. There is no such thing as failure. Failure is just life trying to move us in another direction. Now, I don't know if you're sitting there listening to this, and I don't know how you can't feel like I'm not a failure. I'm moving in the right direction. These are commencement speeches. These are what take you from graduating from one level to the next level. And if we're talking about graduating in gratitude, it's kind of going to go something like this. One of the commencement speakers that has changed my week is by someone who is a Navy SEAL. And this is how it's changed my week. I now, now you may have seen this one. I now make my bed every day. This is no joke. Have I done that for the last week? Now, we didn't really talk about this. I don't know if she's thinking like, she's actually asked me, are you frustrated or mad? You're cleaning a lot more than usual. And I said, no, I'm fine. But what happened was I watched this commencement speech. Watch this. It's like 30 seconds long and you'll make your bed forever now. I Listen, if you have a miserable day, you come home to a made bed that you made and you're like, tomorrow's going to be better. I have made my bed every single day. I feel like a kid every single day for the last week from that commencement speech. You will go make your bed now. You're welcome. And, and all these things, these graduation speeches, they do this thing where they're not saying you've arrived. They're saying you need to go somewhere, but you, you can go somewhere. You can go to a new level. What we're going to look at in scripture is kind of feels like three commencement speeches, one level of gratitude to another level of gratitude to another level of gratitude. And the gratitude actually pulls something out of you. Each level is very challenging. If you want to be thankful past the holidays, and if you are not even thankful going into the holidays, each level is going to pull something out of you and challenge you. Every single one of us graduating in gratitude. 
So here's what the first commencement speech kind of looks like. It's when Moses is leading the Israelites, which that whole story, I feel like uh, I'm on Moses' side sometimes, and then I'm on the Israelites' side sometimes, and then I'm like, I, I try to always be on God's side all the time, but I don't understand what's happening, and the whole thing's confusing. And, and God is telling Moses something that you just read about gratitude, and it's this speech that kind of goes from the base, it starts at the basic level of gratitude, okay? So let's read this, this commencement speech, if you will. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. For some of you, you just need to like know passages like this do exist for people like you. When the land has not been good, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig newtons, fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey bunches of oats, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of those hills you can dig copper. Now notice, a lot of times what's provided you have to dig for. It's not just there, but it's there, right? You have to go digging for it, and you can dig copper. I imagine that each one of these things, you're like, I got excited with Fig Newtons, but everything else I wasn't excited. Now, this is like a super exciting passage to ancient Near Easterners. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. For the good land that he's given you. Here's the basic level, is just to say the blessing, okay? Basic. This is elementary. This is like basic level of thankfulness, okay? Notice, you can continue to text in questions, and I want you to as we wrestle with this, because if you are not feeling something pulled out of you, either I'm doing a really bad job, which is very possible, or our hearts are not open to the fact that we do graduate in different levels of gratitude. So here's the basic level. This is our kids' table. It's messy because it's the kids' table. When my kids sit down here, I'm sorry for those of you over here, I look um, kind of miserable in these chairs, and I am. When, when, I, when my kids sit down here and they're, they're eating food at the basic level, what we try to teach them is this concept that you just read in the scriptures, for the, right? Thanking God for the provision. So this is the for the principle, okay? When you're thanking God for what's right in front of you. He said, I'm bringing you to a land with figs and honey. I'm bringing you to a land with stones, with copper, if you'll dig for it. I'm bringing you to this land. It's literally, it's right in front of you. This is the for the principle. When we put food in front for the kids, right? We try to teach them, we try to teach them, we want to thank God for the carrots, right? And they're like, I'm not thanking God for the carrots, for the carrots with cheese. I'm not thanking God for the carrots, for the carrots with cheese with ranch. I'm not thanking God for the one carrot with cheese with ranch with pudding afterwards. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Now we thank God for that, right? It's a, it's a mentality that actually you can kind of pick and choose, but there's something in front of you that if you're hungry, you're going to eat it. If you're in need, you're going to take it. Inevitably, Brennan gets threats about going to her room because she's not going to eat whatever is in front of her. And so it's hard to teach her, but she actually has the ability as a child to run away. She can go run to her room. She can cry. She can do whatever she wants. And, and, and to get to a level of Fortha is actually somewhat mature. Somewhat mature. You're thankful for the thing in front of you. 
And if you think you look kind of silly, like you're not a kid, but you're at this kid table. I think that's the point. That's what I'm trying to prove is we should graduate. But, but I want to commend those of you who are here and say, I think you can go to a new level tonight of gratitude as we abide in Christ. What is God putting in front of you right now? So just think about this. What is in front of you? What's the thing in front of you that's a good thing? Thank God for the air conditioning and the heating that you have at your house or your apartment. You say, my air conditioner is out. My heater is out. Thank God for the roof over your head. Thank God for the ears that you have. Thank God for the nose that you have. Thank God for the friends that you have. For the. Being able to say the blessing, I'm thankful for the. Now, Brene Brown, who has like some incredible TED Talks, has written a lot of books, and I was able to see her speak a few months ago, and, um, and she's just a really insightful lady. And she has her doctorate, and she does a lot of studies on human emotions and the impact emotions will have on you and on me and on our relationships and our impact on the world and the world has on us. And she wrote this book called The Gift of Imperfection, and there's a whole entire um, chapter on gratitude. And here's what she says about gratitude. She says that gratitude, we often think of gratitude as an attitude, right? The attitude of gratitude. Now, if, if we were to call this teaching series the attitude of gratitude, you fully have my permission to go, that sounds way too churchy. We got to like stop everything right there, right? And not only does it sound weird to say the attitude of gratitude, Bri- Brianne Brown, um, she actually says it's not an attitude. Studies show it's an action. That gratitude, like your attitude of gratitude won't change you. And and people that are happiest in the world are not the people with the most, but the people who make the most of what they have. We know this to be true. And at a basic level, what scripture is saying is being able to bless and thank God for the, it's an action. We're taking an action, right? Right. We're not just saying, my heart is grateful and I walk around. No, no, I'm actually able to say, thank you. Thank you for the clothes on my back. Are you able to say that? For the. When I was in college, there was a guy named Paul Chishala. And when I had left the faith, and then it took months and months to come back into the faith, Paul would pray. He would go into this little prayer room in this dorm. And I told him, I don't, I don't actually feel like praying. I don't feel like getting into prayer. I don't even know what to say. He said, how about we pray every single morning? I'm not kidding you. For a year, for a whole school year, every morning, Paul is in there praying. And I joined him. And the entire prayer, like it started with, thank you. Thank you, God, for the arms that we have today. Thank you for the mouth that we have today. I mean, this is just thing. I mean, this is like elementary stuff. He's just praying, 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 praying. And then what I'm doing on the side is reading the Psalms because the Psalms are prayers and songs. And I didn't have words. And so I just went Psalm by Psalm every day. Just said, God, this is all I have. Just this. And what I notice is the Psalms are filled with this. At a very basic level, we thank God for the thing that's in front of us. For the thing that's in front of us. And for a whole school year, it's like he could find something to thank God for. Even when it seemed like all hell was breaking loose in his own life. So I just want to ask you, what's in front of you? 
that you would say a blessing. You would say this, thank you for the what? It's in front of you. It's really hard during the holiday seasons because I just went to Lowe's yesterday. I had to get an extension cord and a few other things. And I go there and as I'm checking out, now get this, before, like, as I'm purchasing something new, I'm checking out and they hand me a magazine about Black Friday, okay? About all this stuff or whatever it's called now, don't spend time with your family Thursday, right? Whatever it is that whenever they have this sale, they hand me this magazine and the lady says, go ahead and circle what you want to come back and get so you don't forget. I'm going, I, I just bought something. I just bought extension cord. Now I'm going to be mad on the one hand, the extension cord's like 80% off next Thursday or Friday, but I just got this and she's telling me, go ahead and circle what you want. This is the season we're going into. Is this, you don't have time to be thankful for the thing, but you're, you do have time to look forward to everything else you're going to get. And what I'm curious about is in my life, and maybe you can think about in your life, in my life, are there blessings that I have now that I've prayed for a long time ago that I'm sitting on that I haven't just circled those and said, thank you. I haven't just said, thank you for the house that we're able to get. Thank you for the church that we have. Thank you for the friends that this church brings. Thank you for the, right? And you're in a season right now because you're in America and it's the holiday season. You're in a season where what's being pushed on you is, but you're going to want the, and what scripture says is, no, no, say a blessing of thank you for the, and that's the most basic level. That's the five-year-old kid table, right? And, and if some of us operate like a two-year-old, we run away or we aren't able to thank God till he gives us just exactly what we want, which very, very rarely happens because what we want might actually hurt us, but this is the basic level. And then to graduate from this level, we go to a new level, okay? And, and we step away from Moses and we go to David in the Psalms. Now, the Psalm I'm going to read is actually a Psalm that a lot of you would probably know. And you may have heard it at funerals and you may have heard it in different ways. But here's the Psalm, Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, David was the kind of person who's constantly on the run. He has enemies. So when we talk about enemies, I don't know if you have a real enemy. Some of you actually have real enemies. You have real enemies. They call you and text you and threaten you. Some of you, your family is your real enemy. You don't know how to reconcile with them. Others of you, the enemy that you feel is the spiritual dimension, this anxiety that absorbs you. And um, this frustration, the spirit of striving within the city. These are real enemies. And so he's talking about this. Let's keep going. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with the oil. My cup overflows. So the imagery is actually God setting him apart in the presence of his enemies. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So the first part is we thank God for the, this. Second part is we're talking about setting the table. This concept of setting the table in the middle of your enemies, which is very interesting that we'll get to in a second. But it's not for the provision. It's even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though, even though is a whole different level of gratitude. 
even though there are things that are happening. This is like a banquet table. So you see this kid's table to remind us we all want to graduate away from this, but we want to still participate in this, right? When you graduate from fifth grade, it doesn't mean you you forget everything in fifth grade, right? It just means you need what you learned in fifth grade to go to sixth grade. It's the same kind of concept. You need what you learn here, but you're now graduating to banquet table stuff, big boy stuff, big girl stuff, right? Congratulations, we're not five-year-olds anymore, okay? We're graduating, we're moving forward. It's even though, even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even though, now notice, he's not sitting. He's not stagnant. He's not stuck. He's moving. He's not running. He's not sprinting. He's not exhausting himself. He's walking. He's walking. Even though that there's a pace that you can move at, even though things are falling apart in your life. And there's a way you can live with gratitude, even though, even though. And what it's saying is that God is preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies, which is really interesting that now when you're an adult, you start to notice some things. You start to notice you do have enemies. You start to notice life is hard. You start to notice your boss, your coworker. You start to notice your spouse. You start to notice like things that rub you the wrong way. You start to notice these things. And it's an even though mentality. Even though I'm dining, I'm, I'm sitting at a table for a long extended period of time. I can't get up and run because God's setting the table. You know, when someone sets the table, you kind of have to wait for the food to come. God's setting the table now. I have to sit here and abide with people in situations that I don't like. I have to. And I have to learn to be grateful in this sort of season, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And then you prepare a table for before me in the presence of my enemies. So even though you're single, even though you're single and you really, really want to be married, just to have a relationship, even though um, you set me apart, God still sets you apart. He's focusing on the anointing oil. He's focusing on the presence of God, right? Even though, even though your whole entire family is falling apart and you're at a table with them spiritually every single day and you have to talk to them and answer their phone calls and do these sort of things, even though you know that God is the one setting it for you. He's with you, right? He's setting you apart. Even though at your table might be depression, it might be anxiety. Even though at your table, it's going to be unemployment. It's going to be frustration. Even though all this is going on, a level of gratitude is to say, even though this, I know your presence is here. In the middle of all that's taking place, I know that your presence is here. This is a whole different level. You understand? You see how we're like graduating. The speech kind of like says what you learned is good, but there's an even though thing that you can move. You can continue to move forward in your life even when, even though you walk through a valley of the shadow of death. So here's what I want to ask you. What's the valley of the shadow of death right now? Because I don't know someone who says I'm not walking through some sort of valley. What's your shadow of death? What is this thing? And in that valley, what sort of enemies are dining with you? You can't get away from them. You have to learn to feed on the word of God and prayer and church. You got to learn how to feed on these things in the midst of all them, right? Who's at the table with you? 
Because when we're five, we can kind of like run around and then only go back when we're hungry. When we're growing up, we have to learn how to sit and be patient as he prepares a table. So then my question is, who's at the table with you? Who's at the table with you? What's at the table with you? What enemies are threatening you? What things do you find disorient you and it's hard for you to be thankful to God? Even though, but his presence is there. You follow me? His presence is there. So you have Moses gives us a speech. You have David who gives us a speech. Now I'm going to tell you that the next level is like, I, I haven't perfected any of these levels. The next level to me, graduating to this next part of gratitude is the hardest, which always gets hard, but this is like PhD, post-doctorate work, okay? This is one that I actually don't know of people who um, can have lived this every single day of their life until I look at Scripture. I know Jesus lived it. I see it in Paul, who we're going to read from. But as your pastor, I'm going to confess to you, I find this extremely difficult, what we're about to talk about. It's easier for me to say, even though there's enemies around me, because I, I think at some point I've gotten used to the fact not everybody's going to like me, there's going to be betrayal. I've gotten used to the fact that the world is broken. I've gotten used to the fact that I have to learn how I impact the world as well. I've learned that I have to sit at a table with enemies on a daily basis, spiritual and physical. I have to learn how do I manage um, not their life, but my life. And how do I pursue Christ in the midst of this? How do I do this? And by me dining with them, it may change their heart. I've, I've had to learn this. And a lot of you, you know what I'm talking about. You just have to learn it. And that, you've kind of gotten used to that. What I'm going to talk about next is a whole different thing. And let's read out of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Paul's writing. Now, Paul's been in prison. Paul's like experienced a whole lot of persecution. This is what he's writing. Um, and I just want you to know, as I was praying over this message, I know there are actually a few of you who are really good at this next part. And I would ask that you encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. I'm talking about prison, persecution. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So he's in chains. I know you may have been persecuted, but... Like he's in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Okay, so his chains are serving as a megaphone to everybody. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Now, let me tell you, when I'm on Facebook and I see people preaching Christ out of personal gain and they're charging no joke, $10,000 a message at conferences. And I, and I see these things. I get super angry and I feel like my gratitude mechanism shuts down, right? So he's saying, I, I, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. Like I cannot tell you how frustrated I get when people preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. Stir up trouble, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. That is a passage 
that I just try to read past quickly sometimes because I'm just not there. Super hard. This is like stirring the pot concept, okay? We talked about whenever uh, we talked about that there's the for the, and then now we're at the stirring the pot that he's saying there are people stirring up, stirring up. They're stirring things up. And then he actually says this phrase. So there's the for the, then there's even though, and then there's the because of. Because of my pain and suffering, I will thank him. Because there's purpose that comes out of this, that when Christ's people are squeezed and they're betrayed and manipulated and whatever life pressures happen to you and you feel like you're flat and you have nothing in you, right? When that happens, what comes out is the glory of Christ's purposes. Now we'll talk about this for a second. Because of, now he's not thinking for the pain and the suffering. Like we don't thank God, like thank you God for the pain. We're thanking God in this phase because of the purpose that comes out of everything. Because of what happens out of all this stuff. It's the stirring of the pot. People are aggravating you. Situations are aggravating. And you actually know in your heart of hearts, in the spiritual realm, things are happening that are trying to set you off course. In the physical realm, people are happening that are trying to take you off course. You know this is to be true. And they're intentional. These things are intentional. These aren't accidental, right? These are intentional things that are coming your way by people that you used to trust. They're trying to stir you up. And in the middle of this, Paul says, because of what will happen, because of the proclamation of the gospel, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. And this, the reason this is hard is this is like, this is trust of all trust in God. Okay. When Lisa and I first got married, we were, well, I was, when I say we, I, that was a slip up. I'm sorry. I was a bad cook. She's always been a good cook. Okay. Um, and we would learn kind of like each other's, like, what do you like to eat and what do you not like to eat and all stuff. And I, I remember when we first got married, I would, I would kind of like walk in and I would smell the aroma of what was being cooked. And, uh, and I would ask her, Hey, what are you putting in there? Like, what is that? And, and it's kind of like this. It's like, I, I haven't learned to trust her cooking yet. Okay. This is when we first got married. Never confessed this to her. So I don't look at her in the eyes when I say this. I look at you. We haven't learned to trust her cooking yet, but, but she also didn't learn to trust mine because I said one time I'm going to make you meatloaf and I made a loaf of meat with ketchup on it. That's all I made. And I said, I don't know what happened. I got, it's the meat's fault. I got the wrong meat at the store. So we, we learned like to trust one another in the cooking, but I would ask her, what are you putting in there? I would remember, I remember making my mom's hot chocolate one time and I'm like, are you sure that much sugar is supposed to go in that hot cocoa? And you know, I'm like, all this. And then now, like now we've been married over nine years. When I smell what's in the kitchen, I don't, I don't question it. I'm just like, hey, what are you cooking? Like this smells great. I know whatever happens is going to be delicious. I know whatever comes out of the kitchen is going to be great. And if it's not, I don't say anything. It's good, right? And so a few days ago, I asked her, she said, hey, do you want me to make you breakfast? I said, sure. She said, what do you want? I said, I don't know, biscuits and gravy with a fried egg on top. I'm not always that high maintenance, but this morning I was high maintenance. And she said, I've never made biscuits and gravy. And I told her, I said, whatever you do is going to be good. And I really mean that. Like, you're just going to figure out how to make it. And she did. And it was awesome. Awesome. And there's this trust that's been built, but there's suspicion on the front end. 
because you just want to know, do you, do you know what you're doing? Do you know if all the ingredients will work out in the end? And that's why this is so hard with God is because he's not putting it right in front of you and he's not even setting the table in this instance. He's cooking in the kitchen. And you go, the ingredients you're using hurt. They taste bad by themselves. Do you know what you're doing? And Paul's at a place where he's actually saying like, I know it all works together. Because of that, I'm thankful. Even in chains, in pain, in oppression, I'm thankful. Because of, you see, there's a big difference for that. And you can't actually, well, I say this, we have a hard time looking forward to God being that type of God. And when we look back, we can recognize it though. You can recognize times where all the ingredients work together for the good. So I want you to watch this commencement speech by Steve Jobs, the way he puts it. And then we're going to, um, we're going to have a time of response. That I think will be really powerful that we're graduating to a new level of gratitude. Now, for Steve Jobs, he's saying you trust whatever, karma, whatever energy that's at play. But I just want you to know we trust a Jesus-looking God. It's way too personal to be up to chance, okay? And so as we talk about this level, this level of gratitude, it happens by way of trusting God and abiding in Christ. This is how it happens. God has told us through his word that he will work all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things together. And here's what he didn't say. He didn't say all things are good. It's not what he said. He will work all things together for the good. That's what he said. And so if you're here, if you're saying there's so much pain and suffering, you're saying there's so much intensity on my life, you're saying everything's falling apart, like nothing's actually holding together, and you go, I can do the even though thing, even though I see God's presence. But if you're real with yourself, like you want to get to a point to where you say, I'm actually trusting that he's working. I'm trusting that he's working. I'm trusting that he's working all things together. And like, if I just tasted garlic by itself, tastes bad, right? You saw a video the other day of Caleb eating an onion. Onions are good in, in things, but raw onions are disgusting by themselves. Pain hurts really bad, and this doesn't alleviate the pain. But let's just acknowledge pain and suffering, betrayal, lies, manipulation, loss of job, divorce, families not being consistent, friends walking out of your life, hurts really bad. But it might be the case that you can say because of who he is, and because I can glorify Christ in this, because of, I will praise him. Because in the end, I promise you, the soup tastes good. In the end, tastes good. But the ingredients by themselves taste really bad. And so when we talk about graduating and commencement speeches and all this, what I'm hoping is that we say, I'm thankful for where I was. I actually have to go somewhere new. Commencement speeches were never meant to just say, good job, you've arrived. They're meant to say, what you've learned, you will need in order to do this thing. And so I'm telling you, God is trustworthy. The Jesus-looking God we serve and love is trustworthy. And for Christ to be on the cross 
or even in the garden, like being betrayed by his friends. It says he's sweating drops of blood. When he's doing this, he's being pressed. In the end, it accomplished the most wonderful thing called salvation for humanity. But he was pressed. This is what Paul says. In 2 Corinthians... Paul tells us something about himself that I think is something we need to remember. 2 Corinthians, he says three times, this is uh, chapter 12, verse 8. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. He's talking about a thorn in his flesh. Now, commentators don't know, is this a physical ailment? Was this spiritual oppression? They don't know. Three times I pleaded, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my prayer is made perfect in weakness. Or my, my, uh, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast. This is Paul speaking. So he says, God just told him, my power is made perfect in your weakness. Right? Your weakness tastes really bad. And the pain of the weakness of others. T- and he's saying, my power is made perfect. Therefore, Paul saying, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I exalt. This is what it means to abide in Christ in your gratitude. You're weak. You've endured hardship and weakness and insult and all. And you say, I'm weak. And this is affecting me but Christ's power will be made known. His power will be made known. His power will be. It's just real powerful to experience God with you guys in this way. And I think that from the moment we started worshiping, there's just something that changed. And I would just encourage you not to let that um, go away, but to keep that at the forefront. Benji, how could we wrestle with the Lord tonight? All right. We have uh, three questions tonight. Okay. First one, how do we stay thankful in the midst of hard times? For example, when we go through a hard breakup, lose our dream job, or feel distant from the people around us. Mm-hmm. So, uh, staying grateful in hard times. I mean, these are obviously the times that press us. Um, looking at this, I think the example that's going to come strongest to mind would probably be uh, maybe like Job. Uh, mm-hmm. I think about him as kind of a, a metric for where we should stand in, in times of hard hardship and trial where here we have this, this strange dynamic going on where uh, God allows Satan to test Job uh, and his faith. And, and in those moments, what Job does uh, is rather than, than give up and say, this is my lot in life, he steps back for a moment and he starts to ask those around him. So he goes to his community uh, he goes to his friends and he's like, why is this happening, do you think? What, what have I done to wrong God? Uh, hey, now they weren't the best friends, but he still went to the <laughs> They weren't the best, so we will say that. But it was an act of going mm-hmm. to community. So mm-hmm. it was these times of going to prayer mm-hmm. uh, and kind of spending that time there. And I would say, like, uh, yeah, looking to that is, is yeah. our reference and example of how to approach these. Yeah, I think it's, I think taking action. We don't we don't sit back and just meditate. And when you get stuck in your own head, that's when things kind of go wrong. 
I know for myself, but I would just say taking action and being able to recognize and thank God for what is in front of you. And so kind of like practicing baby steps in order to get to an even though stage. That's what I'd say. All right. How close ought we be to our enemies? Should we help prepare the table the Lord sets? Or is it okay to make separation from our enemies? When does an enemy become an ally? All right. I'll, I'll jump on this one real quick because I think whoever worded this question, you worded it perfectly. Should we prepare a table with God? That imagery is very powerful. Um, we serve our enemies. We love our enemies. One of the distinctives of the Jesus-looking God is that he died for his enemies. This is hard. Right? It's actually really hard to think, would you die for the person that you borderline hate? And setting the table doesn't seem all that bad. <laughs> I remember one time when I was... Um, in a previous ministry position, and there was a person who was actually a physical enemy, wanted to come after us um, for doing the right thing, but it threatened them and their image and all those things. And I lost my job. Well, I gave up my job to preserve our character. And I remember I had to go work at a Mexican restaurant. And, um, and I, they came in, and I actually had to prepare their table. Like I actually had to get everything ready and serve them. So I would say, yes, you prepare the table for them because, here's why, that's the power, according to the gospel, that transforms the heart is self-sacrificial love. It's not coursing them. It's not not giving them a plate and telling them to eat the scraps. It's actually very transformational when someone loves their enemies. That's, that's really hard. I think that kind of covers where we're at, so we'll follow that. And one more? Uh, yeah, let's do one more quickly. All right. Last one. How do we be? How do we be thankful for prison chains when it feels like we never feel what good is coming from it? Um, I think this right here is where we kind of really draw off of this last passage of reflection. Um, hmm. It, it's looking at these moments of hardship, looking at these moments of trial, and asking ourselves, like, what is this thorn in my flesh? What, what is this doing? You know, how can this be something as a tool that is used to further God's kind of kingdom? So you, you look at those examples of you have an addiction or something. Uh, if you can work through that and struggle through that process, someone else that suffers from addiction is able to take that, you can relate so much more mm. with that person and be a pathway, be an example, be someone that they can communicate with. So these are the thorns in our lives that we mm. only see for the pain they pull into our lives. But this can be a conduit where we can reach out to others. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really, we all have chains. We all have thorns. And unless we talk about this a lot here and we will keep talking about it, until it becomes who we are, and then we'll keep talking about it to encourage you to be that person, unless we admit, here's my chains, these are my thorns. And doing what Paul did in saying, I, I boast in my weakness. Have you ever done that? Have you ever boasted in your weakness? I'm unable to do this, but I'm thankful the power of God will do it. Boasting in our weakness is like huge, and that's PhD gratitude stuff.
So uh, thank you for the questions.